As a nerd and gay person, I have no idea what my emotions should be right now. Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 199 for the week of June 19th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. In this episode, we'll be catching up with news in the aftermath of this year's contest. What little news there is. It seems like everybody's on summer vacation. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it, it is. It has been roughly a month since Eurovision, as we record this, and everyone's out of office has said, do not email me. I am gone for June. Well-deserved vacation time for everybody, but uh, yeah, it has been almost surprisingly quiet on the Eurovision front, I think. The majority of news that has popped up has been just various countries confirming they will not be doing junior Eurovision this year, which, guess what? Neither are we. Before we dive into the news, we did have something in our mailbag. It's a correction for an episode way back at the end of last year, uh, episode 175. Mark wrote in to point out that in one of the questions about Gemini, that five could have also been a correct answer. Uh, we said zero points. And what happened there was we were thinking of UK's 2003 act, Gemini. And when we were playing the game, we had a PowerPoint set up and everybody was able to read the text of the question. So they're seeing Gemini spelled with a J. And we didn't even think to proof it against Gemini with a G. And uh, yeah, there was an act from Portugal in 1978 that had that name. So if you were screaming five at your podcast player uh, as we were playing the game, our apologies. Thank you, Mark, for pointing that out. We love getting feedback like that. That was just a delightful email to receive. Be like, oh, yeah, that is yeah, Yeah, just like anytime <laughs> that there's confirmation that when I talk into a microphone, people actually hear it is delightful. If you have any sort of feedback, you can send that our way through email at eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. Yes, we're still on Twitter at eurowhat. They will have to chase me out of the ceiling at Twitter with the broom Yeah, at this point. <laughs> Just, I am up in the rafters. I am chewing on the wiring. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> it me. Um, but yeah, it's time for a very important question and for me to get to tap into my Scandinavian heritage because we do get to ask, I was taking a look at the two most recent times that Sweden has hosted the contest, so 2013 and 2016, and they tend to move more quickly than our last couple hosts. So this might be our only chance to discuss where are we going to be, given that we're doing these news episodes every couple of episodes, and by the time we speak next about what news has piled up, we're probably going to know where we're going to be. The deadline for bids closed on June 12th, which is great, because we're recording this on June 13th. So we've got sort of a short list, and there are four that are confirmed as submitting a bid. Looking over where we might be next year, we have Gothenburg and the Scandinavian, which was the host of the 1985 contest. I love that venue name. <laughs> oh, yeah, same. I was surprised that they were on the list because one main thing that we know about the Scandinavium is that it has ceilings that can't support the equipment for the modern contest. But in May 2023, that was approved to be demolished and reconstructed, but they're going to keep the name and they're going to take over the space it's currently in and the swimming hall that's in front of it. So I have no clue if like part of their bid is like, hey, we're going to put the fast track on this. 
so you can be in a shiny new arena. Visions of Baku 2012 are dancing in my head. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. That feels like a very risky proposal, if that's the proposal. But hey, shiny new thing. Also in the mix, the host of the 2013 contest, Malmö, right across the bridge from Copenhagen by the airport. Go get a Pulsa. Uh, And then Ernhuelzvik, which is the northernmost bid that has been confirmed. It is hosted the semifinal of this year's Melfest. And the Hoglands Arena is smaller than, I think, any of the others on this list. Yeah, and they've also noted that to increase accommodations in the area, they would be using cruise ships. Why does this come up every single year? Why would anybody want to do that? I, sorry, I like I just cannot imagine doing a cruise ship. So. Oh, no, 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 no. All of the fun of Eurovision, plus the chance to get the norovirus. I don't know how you do that in just like a stationary cruise ship where it's like not where you're not just sort of in the bubble of being on a cruise. But but yeah, just like, why does that one keep coming up? That would be a potentially fun story. We went to Eurovision and we stayed on a cruise ship. Sure. But also, uh- yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good story, but just had p- good potential for shenanigans. I guess if you're into cruises and stuff, like it, it's probably great. But yeah, that just sounds like my personal hell. I have read that David Foster Wallace essay. And yes, it feels like it's probably just going to be Stockholm. Mm-hmm. The main sticky bit right now is that they need to figure out of the two arenas that are available because the Avicii Globe Arena is undergoing renovation. Uh, they just had to figure out if they're going to negotiate with the one football team that's at the Friends Arena or the two football teams that are at the Tele2 Arena in terms of who is easier to placate for the six weeks we need to build that out. Right. But, like, it's probably Stockholm. Stockholm has hosted three other contests. But what if it's not? What if it... What, <laughs> what if it is the cruise ship? Oh, no. <laughs> what, I mean, again, like, I I really want to know what, like, Go- Gothenburg has in its back pocket, but it's probably Stockholm. I'm not surprised by really any of these bids i was more surprised by the ones that did not confirm whether they had actually pressed submit on their bid we had eskilstuna which uh hosted the 2020 second chance round Yunshiping, uh which has hosted various melfest heats both of those their arenas are on the smaller side and are hockey arenas and they make sense for a melfest heat but maybe not for like actual eurovision uh, and that's also the case for patila which hosted the eurovision choir in 2019 it's probably Stockholm, but yeah. but like I did want to cover that because it's been nice and quiet. This is the only time we're going to get to talk about it. So uh, it's probably Stockholm, but what if not? Doing our due diligence before it's announced, probably before this episode goes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The second that we hit stop on the recording, it's going to go live. They're just going to like pull the banner. It's just like Stockholm. Elsewhere, one of the big things that came out of Sweden immediately winning was everybody going, it's been 50 years since ABBA won. And ABBA immediately sent out a press release of like, we are not reuniting for 2024. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Bjorn sent out a separate press release, like, I, I can show up if, you- if you'd like. So, like, he's down to clown, and he just needs to talk to the other three. And the- if nothing else, there's the avatars. They have the avatars now. We're probably going to see them. Alternately, Sweden's could just be like, it's 50 years since the first time he won. Isn't that great? I wonder if he's also throwing his hat in for like host consideration that's not a terrible I- like if you can't get abba but you can get one of them to host four hosts is too many but one quarter of abba have him working the green room that could be interesting who knows so it's sweden they're going to be very efficient in this process i feel yes they, so, yeah if nothing yeah. else they're gonna be real efficient we're gonna know so many details in like a month i'm worried that there's not going to be that much drama uh in the like c- construction of this contest unless <laughs> unless they do go with gutenberg and uh yeah that th- you have at least the construction like potential setbacks but who knows looking ahead to our patreon 
We are going back to doing bonus episodes for our Patreon. Yeah, if you support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash eurowhat, you can be part of the eurowhat AV Club. We will be dropping those episodes the week after these news episodes. So there should be like five or six that are happening during this off season. Our first episode will be dropping next week, and we will be talking about how Peacock's coverage of this year's contest went. They kind of changed up how they did the presentation this year compared to last year. So it gives us a chance to rewatch the contest yet again. So yes, (laughs) everybody who's supporting us on Patreon, thank you so much. Your support has been so helpful these past couple of years and has really enabled us to do a lot of cool things that we might not have otherwise been able to do for both this podcast and the Patreon podcast. All the information about how you can support the show, get access to the AV Club and all of the previous bonus episodes. Hey, if you want to relive the American Song Contest, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but if you want to, all of those episodes are up there as well. I believe I did convince a friend to go listen to those with, do you want to see my mental health decline in real time over six weeks? Wait, no, wait, no, eight, eight weeks, because like it was real dire towards the end there. Anyways, all of that and more. We're, we're getting a few nations that are switching up their selection process. A lot of the smaller nations that like the second that the contest is over, some very intrepid fan just emails and be like, hello, 2024. And and they're releasing their various nicely worded press releases being like, okay, but it costs money. Yeah, yeah. Which I have a feeling that may be happening a lot more this year, but we'll we'll report on that as that comes in. The main process change is that Cyprus had announced a while back that for 2024, they were going to use a different process other than internal selection for their artist. And they've sent out information about the series they'll be using called Fame Story, which kind of feels like early 2000s music competition TV to me. Like, it feels a little X-Factor, a little Pop Stars The Rivals. They're going to be holding auditions in Greece, Cyprus, and other countries during the summer. And then in September, they're going to start the show, and it's going to go through to Christmas, where they're like, they're really focusing on finding an artist and developing them. But it's also kind of Love Islandy, just because it's happening, like, every day. There's, like, an episode in the afternoon featuring scenes from the process, which just feels like a lot. But you know what? I don't know what, what the Cypriot TV broadcaster's current schedule holes look like. That sounds a little bit like Una Voce per San Marino in a way. There was one line that you had quoted here about the daily aspect. Let me find it here. Oh, yes. The program will be suitable for all audiences and will focus primarily on the development and progress, blah, 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 blah. I just like the the program will be suitable for all audiences. Like there's going to be a separate after dark version <laughs> that might be available <laughs> for like premium subscribers or something. Yeah, just like just like and on, and on Paramount Plus. Mm hmm. I'm glad that Cyprus is trying something different. It's been a minute since they've had a national final, but the last national final they had did source out a few new acts that they were able to draw on for the following couple of years. So I think a a few other countries might want to consider doing that sort of thing just so that they can, I don't know, mix up their talent pool a little bit. Given the levels of product placement that have happened in like the last few Cypriot entries when the video has has deployed, I'm fully expecting that much like the first season of American Idol, as part of the lessons, rehearsals, and overall preparation, uh, we'll also just get like a new Old Navy ad every week. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody shows up to rehearsals in their Ford Fiestas and their... <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, like, the good old days when the program of Bones would have a full scene that's just advertising a car. Wow, it drives so well, and it's so easy to parallel park. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for noticing. 
Oh, good times. Also going back to a national final format is Israel. They have decided to go back to using Rising Star to pick their Eurovision representative. The last time they used Rising Star was in 2020, which is how Eden Aline was selected as their artist. She was reselected in 2021 since she wasn't able to do 2020 for some reason. I'm not sure why that contest did not happen. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, something weird. Uh, maybe she missed her flight or something. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like I should remember why it didn't happen. I'm hopeful for this process because, like, as they were using the Rising Star process, that like broke Israel out of their skid that they were in in the mid 2010s and pretty sure they had a perfect qualifying record as a result. Mm-hmm. And of course, like that's where they found Netta and got their win. Rising Star was working for them. They swapped over to X Factor and that did not work. And Noah Carell was some very nice course correction. But you can't just sort of call up the biggest pop star in your country every year and go, hi, Eurovision. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the things that I've read about the switch to Rising Star because it's on a different network. So it's like, okay, we can use their budget to put on Rising Star and then we don't have to use all of our budget in trying to find a talent and a song for them to perform so yeah i have i have a feeling the 2023 entry may have been a little expensive uh yeah (laughs) like it worked out for them but it was expensive if this is the course correction to uh save some money i am a fan i like this process i still ride or die for the american version that lasted only one season so (laughs) (laughs) in terms of the constant emailing of the various nations you have the big five in eurovision and you also have like the small five and one of the small five that always pops up is andorra who used to be part of the contest and has not suzanne georgie who was one of the last representatives for andorra in the contest is still very much leading a one-woman campaign to get andorra back in the contest but the actual purse string holders at andorra's broadcasting are still saying no because again eurovision costs money and like you have various nations who sort of rotate in and out as their budgets allow it uh slovakia is also not coming back they've cited financial reasons and also they're one of those countries that has not done particularly well especially in the semifinals. so it makes sense that okay we don't do well at this and if it's not getting like the actual eyes on the program it makes sense for them to not do it yeah i was actually surprised to see that uh they were officially citing financial reasons it was just like oh i thought the reason was just nah that's also a valid reason i don't believe we've heard from morocco yet maybe they just haven't replied to their email they maybe they started their vacation early so yeah <laughs> it is weird this year since luxembourg is coming back so i think that's kind of throwing like everything out of alignment uh in terms of the small five what do we do do we email monaco has anyone reached out to Liechtenstein's pager yeah yeah <laughs> Just get all the small ones. We got a little bit of information on budget stuff from this past year, and it turns out that Romania spent 380,000 euro in participating in this year's contest, which um, I'm not sure where the money went. Yeah, yeah, just where? And like, also, that's what they've reported. So like, did you guys? Like, how much do SpongeBob socks cost? Yeah, because like a lot of the line items that I'd seen did not add up to 300,000. Like there was this interview that Theodore did where he said that each act at the national final had a budget of like 80 euro. That's only going to be maybe about a thousand bucks total across all the acts that competed at that national final. So the overall interview that was made available on YouTube with, uh, what was the guy's name? The Watcher, which, oof. Yeah, I was getting major Joe Rogan vibes. Uh, from- yeah, yeah. 
Romanian Joe Rogan. Yeah, like I mostly experienced that uh, interview through somebody who paraphrased it in a Twitter thread. Yeah, it was a really informative Twitter thread. One of the comments from The Watcher, which made me laugh, but also like kind of enraged me from this tweet. Theodore states that he wanted to look like a nerd at the beginning, and then The Watcher interrupts to say that he looks like a nerd and not a gay person. What? Uh <laughs> As a nerd and gay person, I have no idea what my emotions should be right now. So. Yeah, just a lot of really complicated discussion of modern masculinity weirdly happening as part of that interview that was just real awkward. And like, I didn't even watch the video. I'm, I'm like scrolling through Twitch just going, really? This is like, this is a weird tangent to go on for way too long. You could tell just from the screen caps, like how uncomfortable he was with it. We'll, we'll have a link to the full thread in the show notes. Thank you, Lucy, the person who tweeted all of this, because it's like, oh, it's really fascinating but also just really depressing <laughs> yes and i'm i'm assuming that Theodore does not have a team to to sort of handle requests like this but also if you get a youtuber you gotta watch their stuff yeah yeah and and it's also tricky because uh apparently there's like a non-disclosure agreement that he signed so he's not allowed to say anything defamatory for six months i think it is so uh, i do have that date marked on our calendar Hopefully he will be spilling the tea in November because there's a lot of stuff I would love to find out about this year's <laughs> presentation. And I would just like to not be cringing at the interviewer. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, because like I was mostly just like, oh boy, this is this is fascinating, but also I am concerned. One of the things that he said early on in the interview was like he wanted to do Eurovision since he was a kid and like wrote a song every year. It's a shame to have your dream not turn out the way that you had dreamt it. And it seems like in other years, if he had the proper support, it probably would have been a much better experience. Yeah, just a lot of fingers and a lot of pies over at TBR, and it feels like he was just sort of caught up in the mix as an independent artist. Yeah, so I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What, uh, but thank you for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can find show notes, our socials, and our full archive of episodes on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and get access to next week's bonus episode, head on over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the Euro What, we celebrate our 200th episode with our presentation from the 2023 Pop Conference. Woo! 